This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, welcome to Powerhouse Politics. I am ABC News Chief White House Correspondent Jonathan Carl. And I'm ABC News Political Director Rick Klein. I can confirm John actually tried to play this one. It's a full-on air guitar yeah, for today's episode. He is feeling it. <laughs> We're so here close. we are. It's the Friday before Election Day. And as we've pointed out, Election Day is about as late. It is, is literally as late as it I know. can possibly be. I, I think... Thank the founders. If I remember correctly, it has to be... Is it the... Uh, it's the first Tuesday after the first... Monday. Monday. That's how so it works. It's, so it couldn't be... It couldn't be November. So we're November 8th. This is, late. I, I, this is as late as it can be. It's, it's really a wonderful thing that we've been gifted this extra whole week of campaigning because it's allowed extra whole weeks of polling and extra whole weeks of freak outs and news and, coverage and everything And we're going to gain an hour, That's right? Because right. we we're, just, we're falling back. So <laughs> we get an extra, I mean, this is... The World Series went extra innings in seventh game, and it's the same here. Okay, so let's get a quick check-in, uh, Rick. Remind ourselves of where we stand. Friday, we have our uh, our tracking poll, which... Now shows a Hillary Clinton lead, although my friend Ryan Strzok, who follows polls for us, would get very mad at me for saying that because it's not a lead. <laughs> it's within the margin of error, so it means we're statistically tied. They're neck and neck. But you and I like but to it's, just, But it's you three know, points. It and, says and plus three on the Hillary It says plus three. Yes. Her name is first. And, and we're still seeing But it's close. It's close. It's a, you know. Well, an interesting, and an interesting dynamic because we have seen a few more battleground state polls, and we're seeing New Hampshire just as close as it can possibly be. We're seeing new signs that, uh, that Wisconsin is uh, is competitive Pennsylvania potentially where the Clinton campaign is now going to close things out and you're seeing now these efforts by the Clinton campaign these very surgical efforts to go in and drive up turnout in individual markets and in individual places uh, using celebrities Jay-Z to James Taylor they're all out there working on behalf of and Clinton. no sign of Chachi anywhere on the other side Aww, uh, Clinton so has not I mean uh, you know, <laughs> Trump has not really deployed his celebrities and then I, I like to at this point you know as we're going in the final stretch always check in with our friends uh, at 538, uh, Nate Silver's operation. He now uh, presents a 64.1. You got to love the precision chance of Hillary Clinton winning the presidency. That means, Rick, and you're good at math, that means 35.9% chance that Donald Trump is the next president of the United States, according to our friends at 538. That is more than a one third chance that he wins. I think that that has a lot of people check in at 538 a lot a little nervous well and here's and here's another way to look at what 35.9 percent it's one in three let's say uh Better that was one in three. let's say that I was mean, a batting average that would be a 359 batting average now you're you've got a guy coming that, up to the plate the biggest like the Ichiro biggest at bat of the year right your biggest at bat of the year the guy's hitting 359 you like your chances wow that is that's pretty dramatic so and and you know we we talked a little bit about this yesterday there's more evidence of it today uh, one of the st- absolute striking things about this race is it looks like the map is scrambled. Today we had a we had a poll again. My friend Ryan doesn't really like it very much, but uh, but there was a poll out of Michigan that showed it within five points. Uh, Ryan's we, from we, Michigan, so yes, uh, we, we we we've had uh, we've had recent polls out of uh, out, out of Pennsylvania that have showed the the margin four points. And I'll tell you, Rick, just between you and me on this, yeah, sure, yeah. Uh, when when you talk to when you talk to people in both campaigns, yeah, 
they will tell you that Michigan, they believe, and I would include the Clinton team on this, they believe that Michigan is even closer than that poll that Ryan doesn't like. Yeah, and that, Michigan, could, be, yeah, that, could, that could be a big surprise. The, 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 the Clinton team thinks they're going to win there. I mean, this is a state yeah. that hasn't gone Republican since 88, if I'm, yeah, if I'm correct right. on this. But they think there's a chance that Trump could win in Michigan. That's right, and still lose the presidency potentially as well. Uh, and well, I, it I, helps him make up some grounds. He can afford to lose some – he could afford to lose yeah, Nevada. Right. He could afford to lose – you know, New Hampshire, maybe, maybe not much else. Maybe not much more than that. But another another tidbit that I think is fascinating right now, we're seeing uh, a little bit of conflicting information coming out uh, in public polling as well as private perceptions right now in both North Carolina and Florida. Now, either one of those, Hillary wins either one of those. It's basically game, set, match. Lights out, yeah. Uh, but uh, there is, I think, a growing confidence on the part of the Clinton campaign on, you know, for Florida and, and a pessimism among Republicans about their potential to hold Florida. Conversely, North Carolina trending a little bit up for Republicans. Now, I would have put it the other way around. I would have thought North Carolina is a sure bet, uh, potentially going back to, to Clinton, back to the Democrats. But it may be the other way around. And the story in Florida is the Latino vote. And we're and seeing— And it's moved recently because, if I, 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 you right. know, as recently as a week or 10 days ago, talking to Republicans, they were saying if the election is mm-hmm. now, we're going to win in Florida. You know the way Karl Rove talks about, about Florida. It's like, the you know, the further— North you go, the further south you are. I mean, North Carolina, I mean, Florida's got a lot of solid Republican uh, votes, of course, up in the panhandle in, 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 in central Florida. But it's, I think you're right, it's, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's the Hispanic vote. Yeah. There are many more Hispanic voters in Florida now than there were four years ago. And Trump is a uniquely toxic uh, candidate for a lot of those voters. And that, 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 uh, that similar story could play out in Colorado and in Nevada and keep New Mexico off the map. Uh, so that, I think, would be very interesting because we're seeing in the early vote, for whatever that's worth, it's the only data we got right now, we're seeing in the early vote some drop-off among African-American uh, votes in, in, in a lot of these critical battlegrounds. You can make up for that in a state like Florida in a way that you can't in North Carolina. There aren't enough Latinos to make that, that gap back up. But the Clinton coalition is starting to come into view. And if she, if she wins, one of the big stories will be Latino votes and how they gravitated to the Democratic Party against Donald Trump. Uh, we talked on, on this podcast about how the early vote can be, um, you know, not a great predictor about right. what's going to happen. You know, you can you can analyze it 10 different ways and come up with different things. But the one thing I think we can say, there are a few things we can say about the early vote that we're seeing right now. First of all, I think we're at uh, close to 35 million nationwide who have voted. We're in a situation in Florida where uh, early vote is off the charts. Now, there were about five extra days of early vote in, in about 75 percent of the state. Um, but early vote numbers are off the charts uh, in in Florida. And I think what we can say is across the key early vote states, Florida, Nevada, North Carolina, Iowa, they're, they're, uh, Colorado, there is an advantage um, for the most part for Democrats, but it's less of an advantage than they had four years ago. That's right. And, and they're seeing they're seeing people cut into that. Now, it's hard to judge on this because, hard to judge. because the country's changed. Voting. So much more of the country is, is, is voting early also. The, the concept of yeah. election day is fading away very, very quickly. I, and, and I think part of this is the, you mentioned New Hampshire a moment ago and Pennsylvania. Those are two states that don't have early vote. And the, you see a lot of attention over the last few days at those states because they're potentially movable up to the very, very last moment. I don't think it's a mistake that the Clintons and the Obamas will be spending the night before the election in Philadelphia, a big urban center, big African-American vote, and of course, a state where almost everyone hasn't voted yet. So that's where the final focus pretty much has to be. Look, I I think there's a level of nervousness that Democrats will have, though, regardless, up until 
beyond the exit polls and and beyond the the moment that this is the, the race is actually projected for someone in that they just don't know what the the Trump vote looks like and I, that brings us back to the the upper midwest brings us back to Michigan brings us back to Wisconsin as part of the discussion if those states are in play it opens up a whole round of new maps and and I should say on this podcast we are going to try to elevate things a little bit today we're going to be joined in just a couple of minutes by an actual road scholar <laughs> Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, yes. this, is, this is a big deal. Uh, we're going to be joined by somebody who has served in the United States Senate, uh, who's somebody who is in the Basketball Hall of Fame, uh, somebody who has run for president, uh, somebody who is seen as one of the real kind of thoughtful elder statesmen in this in this country. Senator Bill Bradley will join. I think he's, he's, we're actually got him on hold. We're not going to keep him on hold very long. We'll, we'll get to him in just a minute. He went to a decent undergraduate school, too. Yeah, he I went to school understand. somewhere in New Jersey. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and he what's, what blows me away, and, and we're going to get to this with him, is that I covered Bradley in the Senate. I covered his presidential campaign. This is a guy who one of his kind of core issues was campaign finance reform. And he has now started a super PAC. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to ask him about that. Um, but I got to say, just before we before we turn to, to Senator Bradley, one thing that that I will say, you know, this is the point where you really can't trust anything that either campaign is telling you because I mean, it's a, we're we are down, we are down to the point where you know it's, it's desperation time. They're trying to get every last thing they can get, and they want to get the, the the best spin for the final days. But watching the body language of both sides, I I am detecting a little less confidence on the part of Republicans. Uh, a uh, and a little more confidence, but skittishness on the part of Democrats. Democrats think Hillary Clinton is going to win this, but they they're not ready to bet the ranch on it, and they're worried. They're worried about the prospects of an upset. But on the other side, the flip side is I'm detecting a little more confidence on the part of Republicans that they may actually have a shot of holding the Senate. Yeah, and that may be the maybe the double-barreled hit of the Obamacare rate increase and James Comey coming out with that letter that gave Republicans just enough extra juice toward the toward the end to make the argument about needing a check and and needing to to carry that message forward. I I I think that assessment is right. I think I think whatever you see in Nate's numbers at 538 and the rest that there's a little bit more of a sense that 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 Hillary's riding the ship and a little less of the of a sense that the the Senate map is where they want it to be. And by the way, since you brought it up, uh, Nate does give Republicans a 38.8 percent chance of holding the Senate. So it's a 388 so, batting average. So, so, so it's a <laughs> little bit Brett better than their chances of winning the presidency, <laughs> but still on the, uh, the, on the flip side. And we've never seen somebody with a 612 batting average. No. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with Senator Bill Bradley. Hey, it's Rick here. We have another new podcast from ABC News to tell you about. It is Popcorn with Peter Travers. He talks to the biggest Hollywood stars, and I mean the absolute biggest. They stop by to talk about their new films, and open up about their experience in the business. Again, that is Popcorn with Peter Travers. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the show. Joining us on the line, Senator Bill Bradley. Senator Bradley, thank you for joining us on Powerhouse Politics. Hey, pleased to be with both of you. So uh, I got to admit, it, it caught my eye here to see that you, uh, one, one of the longstanding, uh, maybe long-suffering either, even... Uh, advocates of campaign finance reform, clean politics, getting money out of politics. You, you, Senator Bradley, now have your own super PAC. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Uh, I think the danger of nuclear war transcends any other issue. Um, I think that... uh, Even even campaign finance reform? 
believe in campaign finance reform, yeah. And I really think that if uh, people thought about it, you know, our whole life's endangered here. Um, I think the most important job a president has is to manage international relations so we don't get to the nuclear threshold. At the end of the day, an individual has to ask him or herself when they vote for president, who do I trust with my life? And uh, nuclear war, that means, you know, it's not some war in a distant place of the world like Iraq or Afghanistan, but it's here and it could kill millions of people. And quite frankly, I think that's a relevant question. Who do you trust for your life? Now, if it was John McCain or Mitt Romney, I would trust them with my life. But I don't trust Donald Trump with my life because I don't think he's got the experience or the ability to defuse a crisis diplomatically before it gets to the nuclear threshold. And then I think there's a personality issue. I mean, he's erratic. He's undisciplined. He lashes out. I don't think we want that kind of person in charge of uh, our nuclear weapons. I mean, just look at the debates. He couldn't focus for an hour and a half. He focused for 30 minutes, for 45 minutes. If you're president of the United States, you have to be focused 24-7, particularly in a nuclear age. So, uh, you know, it was, it was back in 1964 that Bill Moyers produced the famous Daisy ad uh, against um, Barry Goldwater. And that ad, which, of course, famously only ran once, uh, but is perhaps the most famous uh, attack ad in the history of, of American politics. But, but there was subtlety to it. It was the, it was the girl picking the daisy, and then at the end you, you, you see the mushroom cloud. It doesn't directly uh, mention, uh, mention Goldwater. You have produced this ad, and, and we are in... Um, I guess a, a form of radio in our podcast world, so we can't actually visualize the ad. But but I want to play it anyway. Um, you'll 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 hear the ad and just know, of course, as you know, uh, Senator Bradley, it has this very powerful uh, uh, image of of a mushroom cloud. Please play the ad. One nuclear bomb can kill a million people. That's more than all the men, women, and children living in Columbus, Ohio. They're hearing a guy running for president of the United States talking, maybe using nuclear weapons. Nobody wants to hear that well, about then, an American president. Why are we making them? Why do we make them? Why do we make them? Why do we make them? So, Senator Bradley, I, I have and, to say, and it, and it ends. Be careful who you vote for. Be careful who you vote for. And and, yeah. and I have to say, it's it's uh, it, it makes the Daisy ad look like one of those. Uh, gauzy, positive uh, commercials. It also I makes mean, it look subtle. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> the, first, the first point is the Daisy ad ran once. It was 1964, and all the networks ran it and talked about it for a week. So it went off not because it offended people, but because they didn't need it. They're saving money to do it. And so that's the first point. Second, yeah, I mean, uh, Barry Goldwater wasn't or isn't Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump is a much greater threat on this issue than Barry Goldwater was. And I feel that it needs to have a very strong, direct uh, statement so that people understand what Bill Perry has just said. For example, Bill Perry, the former defense secretary, said we're closer to a nuclear war today than we were during the Cold War, and the American people proceed uh, blissfully ignorant of that fact. And so I think this is we need to focus on what we're giving. We're giving the president of the United States. The president of the United States has the power to destroy destroy the world. 
And we can't have somebody in there who's erratic and who unpredictable. And, you know, as I said, I'd trust Mitt Romney and John McCain with my life. I would not trust uh, Donald Trump. So, Senator, let, let's let's say this ad does its job. And let's say that uh, next Tuesday Hillary Clinton wins. You know she's going to win narrowly in all likelihood, that there will be some quantity, 50 million-plus Americans who will have voted for Donald Trump. What kind of posture can a President Clinton and a new Congress take toward the, the millions of Americans who, whatever the, the warnings from you and others, actually invested something in Donald Trump? Is there a responsibility to reach out to them? How do you approach that conversation post-November 8th? Well, I think that there's a segment of people who are voting for Trump that are voting just for change, no matter what. will show that you're the change agent. Second, there are people who have been harmed by economic change. I would go to those people. I would say, I heard you. We're going to work to try to make your lives better. And I have specific proposals. On the, uh, to the racist, I wouldn't even uh, acknowledge them. But the other change people and the economic people, they, they are, I think, people that she could reach out to and with sincerity and a specific program begin to diminish uh, their, uh, their negativity at this stage. Um, I also think that Hillary, um, you know, I saw an article a little bit back to what we were talking about earlier. I saw an article in, uh, I think it was Wall Street Journal, by my former colleague Sam Nunn, who made the case that Trump was unfit to be commander-in-chief. And in the course of that, he said uh, Hillary possesses the experience, the judgment, and the skill to be able to uh, to be able to uh, accept this incredible responsibility of a nuclear power. And so I would agree with those things about Hillary. In addition, there's a part of me that believes, and you might call this naive or simple, or but part of me believes that deep down Hillary wants to do as much good as she can for as many people as she can in as many ways as she can for as long as she can. And I think that that will be the Hillary Clinton that I think will disarm people and will begin to think back positive on what the future can be. And what about inside your own Democratic Party? As you know, uh, should you take the White House and potentially the Senate as well, there's going to be a lot of pent-up liberal frustration over even the Obama years and a push to move things pretty drastically, pretty quickly. It's going to come up against governing realities. But how realistic do liberals, do progressives need to be about the capacity to get things done in this sort of divided country, in this sort of divided Congress? You need to see a Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren. Do they need to scale back their expectations? Um, I think that Hillary's adopted a number of their programs, for example, a number of Bernie's programs, the college education program, um, going after Wall Street. I mean, I think those are all things that um, she took because of the challenge from Bernie Sanders. The more difficult thing is not going to be Democrat. Democrat is going to be Democrat Republican. And there she has to reach out to what I think are if she to 30 or 40 Republicans who in the House who are reasonable people and who are not uh, the far right, alt right people and uh, who, by virtue of education, life experience uh, and faith, uh, really understand that for democracy to move forward, there's got to be compromise and propose things that are real compromises. Um, I mean, just give you one example. Um, you know, there are $3 trillion offshore. 
Well, Republicans want to have that brought back without tax. Democrats don't want to have it brought back without a lot of tax. We also have enormous infrastructure needs. So what you can do is you can say, okay, we can bring those back um, for a year or two without tax, but 25% of it has to be invested in 1% uh, government infrastructure bonds so that we could get $500 billion to build infrastructure without raising taxes. And so I think there are plenty of things that, that substantively are out there that both sides could agree on. And, uh, you know, each has to deal with the left or the right of their party. But uh, the governing people are always in the middle. And, and you, as a senator, of course, you were there for 86 uh, tax reform, which were, where you had to work with Republicans and you quite effectively worked with Republicans on issues that, that, seemed, uh, that, that seemed very, very difficult at the time. What, what is your sense about what it will take uh, to, to, to get those people that are interested in governing back together again? And, and, and was this, you know, so much has been focused on, on, the, on the hard right, on the, on the Ted Cruz's of the world who, you know, were no compromise. They, 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 they wanted to fight Obama from the start. But, but don't you think that there was some fault on, on the other side in, in this, this kind of six years of gridlock? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think it helps to look backward. I think we've got to look forward. And clearly there's a middle, and I think that middle has to be assert itself. And it can be, you know, two-thirds uh, Democrat. It could be three-quarters Democrat and 25 percent or 30 percent Republican. But that's how you govern. I remember I went up to testify with Bob Pack, who was Republican chairman of the Finance Committee, when we did that tax reform bill back in 1986. And by the way, that's the bill that put me on Donald Trump's loser list first. Because <laughs> Congratulations. We took, away, yeah, yeah. we took away a lot of his uh, tax shelters. Um, but... We were before the committee, and we were talking about how we did it. The Finance Committee, bipartisan, wanted to know how we did it. So we started talking. And Packwood told the story, well, we got to a point where things weren't working, so I convened a meeting every morning from 7.30 to 10.30 with four Democrats, three Republicans, and we wrote the whole bill. And when we had disagreements, as we would, we'd have a vote. And it was sometimes 2-2, sometimes 3-1, sometimes 4-0. And whoever won the vote is what was in the bill, and all seven stood by it. And as we began talking about it, I began realizing that it was a lot of fun to legislate something gigantic that affects 100 million-plus Americans in a very intimate way. And then I turned to the committee and said, are you guys having any fun? <laughs> and they, all fun. Kind of, they all kind of shook their head. No, because they're not legislating anymore. They're not making a difference because they're just following whatever their leader says that they have to do in order to win the next election. You know, you know, by the people. way, one who tried was, was Marco Rubio with, with the immigration bill. And he... Uh, he was destroyed, I think, in a large part during the primaries. I mean, he, he made some mistakes along the way, but uh, by, by constantly having to answer the fact for the fact that they had video of him standing with Chuck Schumer, uh, you know, working on immigration. And, and, and it, was, it was devastating in, in a Republican primary. Well, you know, I do not think a success in politics is trying to hide what you have done or diminish what you have done. I think you're much stronger if you come out and say, yes, I did that, and here are the five reasons I did that, and here are the five reasons why that position is better than the position you're taking. 
Uh, that's a much stronger position that people would respect it. It's not that anybody doubted that he had it. It was how he did it. Uh, Senator, you're a student of history. I- I'm curious when you look at this moment that we're in right now, what, what, how are we going to look back and, and describe this year, this period in our history? Do you think it's more likely that this is kind of a one-off, that we look back and say, wow, this is when the country went in some weird directions? Or is it going to be the, the start or the midpoint of, a, of an extended period of a lot of just fierce anger and polarization that, that, that led to some really unexpected results? Well, I gave you some suggestions of what Hillary could do to make it a one-time thing if she wins this election. Um, I think that what has happened in this election is the emergence of the far right. Uh, Ever since Goldwater, they were kind of hidden. They were in the backwaters. Well, they're they're right in front. And I think it's a challenge for the Republican Party, because most Republicans don't agree with what they've proposed, uh, whether it's some of the outlandish, outrageous innuendo and rhetoric they've used, um, particularly with regard to African-Americans or uh, toward our democracy itself. Um, and I think that you can look forward and say this was a time where America came to its senses because it got very close to the abyss and pulled back. And I think that that's where good people who are reflecting the good people in America, and I still think America is uh, is a, a country where when I travel around, for, as I have for 50 years as a politician, a basketball player, and a businessman, uh, informs some sense of who the American people are. I mean, people are decent, they're tolerant, they're innovative, they're they're generous, you know, they're hardworking. And this is the America that Trump ran against and is still running against. And I think that we have to respect that America. And if we respect that America, we then end up with, uh, we're never going to get rid of the 15 or 20 percent haters out there who are total haters. But we certainly will be able to pull the 30 or 40 percent reasonable people who, uh, out of frustration, out of uh, the desire for change, whatever that change is, uh, would have voted for Trump. If, on the other hand, Trump wins, God forbid, uh, I think we're in uncharted territory. I I think we're going to end up with several early tests of foreign foreign leaders testing Trump. He's never been tested. He's never had any foreign policy experience. And I think that the markets are going to be uh, extremely volatile and risk going on to the downside for the same reason. He's going to say stuff that are going to shock the markets. I mean, just think of the day he said, well, we'll default on our debt. He will renegotiate our debt. Well, that might be what you do in a real estate deal in Queens, but you don't do that with the Chinese. And so there's just so much he doesn't understand that I'm worried, first of all, foremost of all, uh, because he's got his finger on the nuclear button, but all these other reasons related to the economy and to our general role in the world uh, are also concerns. You know, it, it sounds to me like you are literally saying there's a question about whether or not America could survive a President Trump. Oh, I think America will survive. At, I mean, that's not the issue. There are a hundred things that could happen. I mean, you know, you could have a Republican Congress impeach him. 
or something. He doesn't have a lot of friends up there. Hmm. You could have uh, him resign once he's settled his income tax issue, right? And 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 uh, you could find a lot of things happen. Uh, so I I don't doubt America. I just doubt Donald Trump. All right. Well, Senator Bradley, thank you for for joining us. I I remember quite vividly traveling around Iowa and New Hampshire with you during your presidential run uh, back in 2000. I, I, I've wondered a couple of times during this one, seeing, seeing some of the challenges that Hillary Clinton has had, uh, both in the primaries and now, frankly, if, if you ever had any, any thoughts about suiting up again. No, no. Um, I'm in the basketball hall of fame. Uh, we heard. Well, I, mean, I can't let you go without without letting you off the hook on the on the Knicks a little bit here. Phil Jackson's Knicks now. How many wins do you see for the Knicks? Give me an over under. Give me a line here for the Knicks. Are they going to break five hundred? They'll, they'll be they'll be over forty, maybe over forty five. So that's close to five hundred. Yeah, and, I think and they'll be over five hundred. How and how many years? I think they'll did, make the playoffs. Okay, so that's that was my question. Of course, how, I might, of course my my. Deep friendship for Phil might be uh, <laughs> maybe impacting what I just said, but no, I think they they seem to have a really good team. They got some good young players. They have some experience in Noah and Rose, and if they're healthy, I think you can get to forty-five games. All right, you heard it here. Bold predictions. Bill Bradley thinks and Hillary Clinton in the playoffs. You never know what will happen. That's right. That's the. Well, I think this year has taught us that, if nothing else. <laughs> Thank you, Senator. Thank you, okay, Senator Bradley. Take care. Well, you know, there you go, man. I I think he, you know, when I mean he's he's raising nuclear annihilation as the as the as the consequences of a Trump. That sounds uh, serious to me. I mean, that's I've I, I, one thing that this this election has brought a whole bunch of Daisy comparisons. There was also a Hillary Clinton ad that that mimicked the imagery of yeah. of Daisy, and it has become famous, infamous even for its, its use over the top. So people have tried to say, well, we don't want to quite say that. Go there, but I think we've seen people we go, go there. Oh this election cycle has broken has broken that seal. Yeah, well, there you have it. Okay, well, that will do it for this day's edition of Powerhouse Politics. Uh, we're going to keep going right through the weekend. Please sign up, subscribe if you have not already on iTunes. Give us a review. Give us a rating, four, five, six stars, whatever they let you do. Uh, today's show was produced by Robin Grattison, David Rhine, Michelle Boncardo. We'll be back tomorrow for the next daily podcast, and we'll talk to you then. For Rick Klein, I am Jonathan Carl.